Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hey, thanks for listening to Dirt and Sprague On Demand, a Service Patriots podcast. Service Patriots is your home comfort solution for all your heating and air conditioning needs. Check out the latest special offers for our listeners at servicepatriots.com slash the fan. This time, it's all on the line. Snap and hand it off. There goes James to the right side. Going to drive hard. Going to get into the end zone. Touchdown, Oregon. Get out of my way. Effort. Jordan Effort. James. This is a Pac-12 Championship Week edition of Dirt and Spray. Brought to you by Mods PDX. The future of building is here. Online at modspdx.com. I wasn't that long ago before a lot of people told us, saying hey, we don't control our own destiny anymore. I think maybe we just do. Dirt and Spray on 1080. The Fan. All right, welcome back in. Hour number two, Dirt and Sprague here. Um, Portland Sports Leader, 1080 The Fan, the Odyssey app, 99.5 HD2, and YouTube.com backslash... 1080 the fan if you missed the first hour a ton of trailblazer conversation you can always catch it at the service patriot podcast 1080thevan.com check out the latest special offers for our listeners at servicepatriots.com slash the fan and the vancouver ford text line is 503-864-6326 they treat you right before during and after the sale visit them for more info at vancouverford.com we will sprague the line at 8 30 i got a fun game i'm playing uh, I did more work than I've ever done in Spring Line history this year, and I was mm. sub 500. So last week, I just looked at the games in the moment and picked them, and I went 3 0. You go on your gut, man. That's what you got to do. We're riding that heater today. Trust your gut. I have an idea of what the lines are, but I don't know what I'm going to pick. So we'll have to wait and see how that goes for me. 3 0 would get me over 500 for the yeah, first time. You're creeping oh. up there. You're sniffing it. Oh, I would die. Um, we don't have a guest today because there's a lot to talk about. We're the only show on the fan. And we have a Pac-12 title game tonight. That we do, Bob. Oregon versus Washington. Last Pac-12 title championship game. And last Pac-12 game. This is it, man. We're turning out the lights at like 8.30, 9 o'clock. Whenever that game's over, the lights are going out. George Klyavkov's going to be out there with his weird goatee, handing out a trophy, getting booed yep. by everybody. And it's going to be a very strange feeling. I had it uh, last Saturday night. I watched the entire, don't ask me why, but I watched the entire UCLA-Cal game because it was the last regular season Pac-12 game. And it was Brock Osweiler yelling at me and Dave Fleming, uh, basically insinuating that everybody's landing in a different conference without mentioning Oregon State and Washington State, which is really weird. Like, hey, don't look at these two teams in the corner. Uh, so I watched that whole thing. It's going to be really sad when it's officially over tonight and the conference basically dies. Yeah, I um, I didn't feel anything last week. Mm. And uh, I didn't watch the whole UCLA Cal game, but I watched a good amount of it. I didn't feel anything. I, I, maybe I'm the weird one here. Odds are that I am. But... I don't think I'm going to feel anything tonight either. Hmm. It could be bookend by Oregon winning the first Pac-12 title championship and Oregon winning the last Pac-12 title championship. I believe they have more appearances and wins than anybody, and they could add to that list tonight. It's it's not even a controversial take. It's The Pac-12 is going to end, and it was the conference of Oregon. Yeah. it's It 
Point blank. Seven or eight appearances, and I think four wins coming into tonight. They're four and one. Uh, four and one, I believe. Yeah, they lost to Utah two years ago. I don't believe they lost another one. I'd have to go back and did look. Stanford win one or two? In Stanford that won two. two. Stanford won two. So you got Stanford and Utah with two. There's nobody else. I, you, I think Washington, Washington has one. Washington, the year they went to the college. They have two. Playoff. Washington has two. They had the playoff year, and then they had a Rose Bowl year. USC got one. USC got one. Oh, I forgot about the Rose Bowl year. Yeah, they lost to Ohio State. Touche. So Utah, you. Dub, Stanford, and that's it, really. Basically, it, of yeah. Multi-winners in the conference. Somebody, I, I did see a pretty funny tweet yesterday about Utah. This is the first time, I believe, in six years that Utah will not appear in the Pac-12 title game. <laughs> you know, the tweet was basically like those nerds from Salt Lake City had a stranglehold on the yeah, conference, they and they finally relinquished it in the final year. This is the most Pac-12 way of all time to go out, though. This is how you go out guns a-blazing. We've been in a relevant conference basically since 2016. We've had a couple of teams that sniffed the playoff, but nobody that was a real game changer or had a chance to make any noise when they got there. And now we go into, you could argue, Alabama-Georgia will always take the cake because it's Alabama and Georgia. This is easily the second-best conference championship game. For some people, it is the best. Just from an entertainment standpoint, you have a chance to put a team in the playoff. You have a chance to win a Heisman Trophy. You have a chance to compete for a national title. Great timing, Pac-12. Great <laughs> timing. If we, Maybe we figured this out in 2018. We wouldn't be in this position. Uh, it's a quarterback matchup for sure, too. Michael Penix, who has basically lost all his Heisman yeah, no. Um, enthusiasm nationally, he has slipped in the odds. It's basically down to Daniels and Knicks. And if if Knicks has a good night, Knicks will wrap that up. That there, there is not a debate anymore. It is over. They will all get invited to New York. They'll try to act like they don't know who's going to win the suspense. <gasps> who's going to win it? Find out next. And they're going to do that for like five commercial breaks. And ultimately, it's going to end with Bo Nix at the stage holding up that trophy if he has a really good game tonight. Hell, he could have a mediocre game, and if they win, it's his. He's already the favorite. Here was Dan Lanning on with Isaac and Souk on Wednesday. Uh, was asked about Check Down Charlie, old <laughs> Bo Nix, who uh, has a reputation for some to be mainly a check down guy and maybe not quite having the season Jaden Daniels have. Here's what uh, Dan Lanning had to say about that. The guy, the guy is the best player in the nation right now, and he's thrown two interceptions, and one of them bounced off the face of a wideout. I think when he's throwing the ball downfield, I mean, I'm not a stat guy, but, like, apparently I need to start paying attention to him because when he's throwing the ball down the field, I think he has one of the highest QBRs of anybody else in the nation. He's, like, 95% efficiency on shots down the field. Um, we're winning at a really high level. Um, we're, we're, we're the best offense in the nation right now. He's the number one passer in the nation right now. So, like, pick your stat you want, but, like, Hey, because your quarterback doesn't throw in the double coverage and he's able to hit Bucky Irving in the flat, like give me that guy. That's a winner. Um, so yeah. uh, it's easy to try to nitpick, but you know you're talking about a team that's had a lot of success, and we, you know I don't know that success looks remotely the same without the way Bo Nix has played. He's played at an elite level this year, and anybody that doesn't recognize that hasn't watched him play. Dirt, can everybody be right <laughs> on this topic? Because I've noticed the social media world, it's mm -hmm. become kind of volatile, and it's just like, let me downgrade this guy, let me downgrade that guy. And while we've had this conversation a couple times this year, and you know my position on it, I've also acknowledged it's his. I think he's wrapped it up. I do, because I think Oregon's going to win tonight. I don't know the margin, but I think Oregon's going to win. His game will be fine. He doesn't commit turnovers. He's not that player. I think it's his. But I, I feel like all of these things that people cite, is are, they're all true. Jane Daniels has had historically a season you just haven't seen. Mm -hmm. Bo Nix, the completions, 
uh, the percentage, the interceptions, the the record. Like he, I, I just I don't know. We're nitpicking these guys. Like LSU sent out a tweet with Nix's name in it yesterday, which was a little odd, and just comping some stats that they had had between him and Daniels. And I just I don't know. I kind of find all the criticisms. I think it's fair to point things out that you observe. I think criticizing both, though, like, Knicks, Knicks shouldn't even be in the conversation. I've not had that position. That's ridiculous. If you think Daniels is the best player, that's fine, too. I don't think you need to go, well, he's got three losses. He didn't control all those losses. Mm-hmm. He got knocked out of one of those games with a concussion. So I, I just find the discourse odd, and I can't wait for this to kind of be over. Yeah, it has. I mean, we've had the uh, kind of ugly discourse, I think, around the Heisman. The, 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 I agree with you completely on the Daniels thing. Jane Daniels has had an unbelievable season, man. I, when you look at guys with 3,600 passing yards and 1,000 rushing yards, it's only been done by like five or six guys in the history of the sport. Um, I think the argument for Oregon fan all along has been, one, and I've brought this up before, if Jane Daniels is doing this at Arizona State, is he is he where he's at in the Heisman race? Because I don't think that he is. I think the conference that he's playing in has a lot to do with the determination that he's getting. If he's at ASU, they're 9-3. And three. And he, he has this same he has stats? This sta- same you don't stat- think he's here? I, I'm not saying he's not a finalist. I don't think there's this strong push to make him a Heisman Trophy winner. I just genuinely don't. Hmm. We didn't do this with Christian McCaffrey across the country when he had better numbers across the board than Derrick Henry, but he didn't win the Heisman. Why didn't he win the Heisman? Because he played in the Pac-12, his games were on at 10 o'clock at night, and nobody east of the Mississippi ever watched him play outside of when they finally made the Rose Bowl, and he ran all over Iowa, and everybody's like, yeah, McCaffrey guy's pretty good. He's pretty, oh, maybe we shouldn't have put his games at 7.30 on the Pac-12 network. That's been my only pushback. Like, if you flip the schools or you flip the conferences, I don't think this is even a debate. If there's a quarterback in the SEC that put up these numbers and his team was a one-loss team going to the potentially college football playoff with a win tonight, because Bo has to win tonight to win the award. Um, I don't think it's even a debate over who wins the Heisman. So it's a conference bias thing. That's what bothers me. I also do just chuckle, though, at how we nitpick stats to criticize guys. Like, this checkdown thing for Bo Nix is honestly one of the dumbest things I have ever heard. He throws a lot of underneath routes. You know why? They're open. They're efficient. He's completing nearly 80% of his passes. He has only thrown two interceptions all year, as Landing pointing out. One of them bounced off a wide receiver's face mask. There was a stat that came out two weeks ago, I believe it was from Pro Football Focus, that they tracked literally every throw that he had made all season. All season long. He had thrown three turnover-worthy balls. He had one in the Civil War, and I remember Brock he had going, one. Oh, that, was oh. a, that was a bad throw. He threw one to Troy Franklin, yeah. and the safety came over and kind of collided, and if the safety had turned, that was probably his fourth on the season. Yeah. You under, he has attempted 401 passes. Yeah. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how good the talent around you is. To only throw four or five balls all year that could even be intercepted is remarkable, and one of his interceptions was not a turnover-worthy throw. It hit the dude in the face mask, and Tess Johnson popped it up as a volleyball player. I This is becoming kind of a... A rallying cry for me, like I know the whole nobody's giving Oregon a chance thing is dumb, and obviously they're a 10-point favorite tonight. I'm like transitioning that into the Bo Nix thing. I, <laughs> I mentioned the, the Vegas interview that I did the other day yeah. where I defended your Oregon State Beavers. Yeah, They asked me legitimately in that interview, one of the hosts said, now don't get upset. I'm going to ask you, is Bo Nix really that good? <laughs> And I was, I just, my response you was, should have been like, have you been watching college football? Said, what do you mean? Is he that good? He's, he leads the nation in passing yards. He has 37 touchdowns to two interceptions. He has, uh, what, six rushing touchdowns. Like, 
What do you mean? Is he is he, like in terms of an NFL prospect? I don't know. Nobody knows. I don't. I have no clue how he's going to be at the next level. Is he that good? He's completing eighty percent of his passes. There's this notion that just because they throw the ball underneath and because Oregon has weapons, that any quarterback in the country could do this. Somebody had a tweet that said Daniels if it was off LSU, they'd be six and six, and if Oregon didn't have Bo Nix, they'd still be ten and one. I don't know what bizarre world we're living in. Bo Nix, early in the season, I think I sided with your opinion more, that there were times where you watched him, and it didn't scream best player in the nation. It didn't scream Heisman Trophy. Mm -hmm. They were a good team. They were winning games, but he was throwing for 247 or 276 or 290. I thought early, that, especially early when we got into this conversation, I was one of those Check down Charlie. It's not, it doesn't have to be a negative. It's, It's the Alex Smith game manager thing. It somehow offends people to say it. I did early on. I, and even last night, I watched the Pac-12 Network with the Oregon State game, uh, basketball game. The Civil War replayed right after. Uh-huh. And I, I look up the screen. I'm doing dishes. Check down, touchdown to Bucky Irving. Gets in the end zone. And I go, ah, check down. Next possession, he throws it like 18 yards right to the middle field, exactly where you need to place the ball. It, it, there's not People aren't allowing their opinions to evolve. <laughs> it's like when you have a take or an opinion, a lot of people think you just got to dig your heels in on every one instead of going... I might have been a little wrong on this. Like, there's more nuance to it, especially early. Yeah, I well, don't even know if it's wrong. Sorry, I just have one last point. I don't even know if it's wrong. I just, I think he, I think Bo Nix has elevated his game in the last four to five weeks to this conversation. Like, I think you're, I think you were kind of spot on early in the year, and I agreed with you. Go starting with the Utah game, and he didn't even finish that game. No, which is remarkable for the numbers he's put up. He hasn't played like five fourth quarters this year. Starting in the Utah game. He has been on a roll where he has been the focal point of the offense. Him throwing the football, has he has multiple 400-yard games. He's only thrown one pick, and it hit off a wide receiver's face mask. Like He has been a different yeah. player in November. There's two things I would say. So Go watch the first half of the Arizona State game. I know Arizona State's not great, but go watch the first half of that game. That was insane. Second, I would say go watch the final touchdown drive of the first half against Oregon State. They went the length of the field in 40 seconds. Is there any world for you guys where Penix, Washington wins this game tonight and Penix throws for three touchdowns, 300 and, I don't know, plus yards, no interceptions, they win? Is there a world where he could come back in this conversation and win this award? Because the way the analysts are talking about this nationally swag, it really feels like it's Nick's and Daniels and Nick's basically has this thing wrapped up. I don't think there's anything that he could do tonight. So you I, think Penix, let's say Penix throws for 330, two tuds, no picks, and they win. It'll go to Jaden Daniels. You think Daniels get? Oh, so Penix is done to you. Like, done, I, done. Dude, you can't you can't have a like a game without an offensive touchdown against Arizona State. I know the Oregon State game wasn't his fault. We talked about it. I thought he played really well in that game, but numbers matter, and he threw for 162 yards. In their last game, he barely threw for 200 yards and had a pick. He attempted to throw the game away multiple times on that last drive. He just, Statistically speaking, he has not been the same guy. If Penix, Penix and Knicks, I almost feel like, are inverse. Now, the turnovers haven't been there for Knicks, but Penix in his first five or six games was an unstoppable machine, throwing four or five touchdowns a game, 400 yards a game. Like That was one of the best passing attacks that we have ever seen. The last six, seven weeks, that has not been the case. Let's talk about that because we had a guest yesterday that I asked him about Michael Penix and what he's been lately, and he had an interesting answer that I thought was really good. So we're going to bring that back uh, coming up next. And the Oregon defensive line and secondary challenges against Washington tonight. We'll get to that next. Dirt and Sprague. 
on the fan. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome back in. Dirt and Sprague with you. Pac-12 title game. Sprague line coming up. Other conference championship games that we'll run through real quick. I have a play to go to tomorrow at uh, 2 o'clock. Oh, no. <laughs> what? I mean, I feel bad for you, but I know it's my future. What's the game after Bama, Georgia? Is it Michigan, Iowa? Michigan, Iowa, and then Florida State, Louisville are your two night games at 5 o'clock. So I'll have to play. I'll probably watch the beginning of Georgia, Bama, and then midway through the beginning of that game, I'm going to have to go yeah, to a play. Yeah, 12 title games at like morning. 9 in the morning. That's the early one. That's the early so one. So I'll catch that one. I'll catch the beginning of Bama, Georgia, and then I'll have to DVR the rest. I forget where the Mountain West, ti- Mountain I, West titles are won. They're in Las Vegas. Yeah, they got to they gotta do a quick changeover on the field there because UNLV gets to host it. Wake wake me when Oregon State's in that championship game. Um, Next year. They're not eligible next year, you douche. (laughs) Why don't you read? (laughs) Just wanted to know that Swaggart Swaggart said that, not me. I'm I'm a Beaver fan now. (laughs) I'm sure you are. I'll make sure that onesie gets to you tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, You mentioned Penix here. I'm, I'm just running through. So 450, 409, 473, 304, 363. Those were the yards that he threw through the air, and then he faced Oregon. And that last drive got him over 300 by two yards, 302. Mm -hmm. After that, 275, 369, 256, 332, 162, 204. Essentially playing the same schedules if you look at touchdown-to-interception ratio. Penix since that game is at 16-6. to 
and Bo Nix is at 20 to 1. And yeah. The, and the one was the ball that hit off a face mask. Yes. Um, so Penix is clearly, I don't know what it is. I've been wondering if he was hurt. We had Chris Fetters on yesterday of dogman.com. Sounds like a Washington fan loves him. And uh, Chris Fetters, I asked him, is he hurt or what's happening? And Chris Fetters had this to say. If Michael Penix was truly hurt, he wouldn't be dealing with the media every single week. They wouldn't, first of all, post-game, they wouldn't allow him to talk mm. if he was actually that injured. And so there's that. And then just the other thing is, is that if he is hurt or if he is, to me, there's a difference. And you guys may think this is a distinction without a difference, but I see it differently. I think there's a difference between someone who thinks that, that Michael Penix Jr. is hurt as opposed to just not being right. Mm. And I think that I think that there are things that you can point to where you look at him and it's like, okay, the accuracy numbers have gone down about two or three percent every single month on month from September, for instance. And you look at something because if you look at things like velocity and if you look at things like that, there's nothing wrong with Michael Penix in terms of throwing. In fact, if anything, you could claim that pretty much he hasn't thrown the ball with as much touch maybe as we saw in September. I've seen a lot of fastballs, and I think a lot of it is based on the fact that maybe he feels like he's not recognizing things as quickly or, or playing with as much anticipation as he was early on and really finding that groove with his receivers. And that just that split-second delay is, is putting in his mind, i got to get this in fast because I'm late. Dirt, I, I thought that was a really interesting and good answer because I've been wondering if he's hurt. And then mm -hmm. he comes to basically say, I don't think he's hurt, but he's not right. Uh, look, Washington's 12-0. and 0. It, it, it seems ridiculous to say this, but I, I noted during the Washington State game, Brock Heward and uh, Benetti on the call of that one. Yeah. The, the report out of that game was that uh, Washington State had picked up their signals. Yeah, Ryan Grubb mentioned that on Monday at his press conference. He said they figured it out at halftime that Wazoo knew what they were doing. So, and, and, and look, I I mean no disrespect by this. I think Kalen DeBoer has been awesome. He's, uh, I don't know how many games he's won in a row at this point, 19 or 20. He's, I mean, they, they're undefeated going into this title game. Is there a shot defenses have kind of figured this out a little bit? Like Odunze's just... Throw it up to Odunze. I can't blame Penix at all when he does that play. I saw it in person twice. Touchdown. But Polk's been a little off. Johnson's kind of dealing with some nagging ankle stuff. Uh, I think his pass protection's been fine, but like when you tell me he's he's throwing it harder and quicker and maybe struggling to read, I'm wondering if defenses have figured this out a little bit. Not in the we stopped him all the way we won, mm -hmm. but ASU, uh, Utah, Oregon State, Washington State, tough games, didn't play well. I'm just kind of wondering if their stuff has been so exposed with not a great run game that defenses are changing looks because I don't know else why he would be feeling that way that, that Fetters explains. Yeah, I would. I kind of come down on this as like everything is true. Like I, I think to say that Penix is at 100% is – not factual. Like, he's clearly going through something. Now, to what severity, nobody knows other than Michael Penix and the doctors at Washington. But you can't tell me, based on what we've seen in the second half of the year, the way he's grimaced at times, the reaction after certain games, that he's not dealing with something. Uh, his completion percentage, four of his last five games, is sub-60%. 46 at Oregon State, 54 against Washington State, 57 against Utah, 56 yeah. against Stanford, 
and 59 against Oregon. Those are those are NFL numbers. He's benched. And that's, I mean, the Oregon State one's the one you say, all right, it was in a tsunami, whatever. You're not going to complete a ton of balls in a game like that. That's fine. I know it rained a little bit in the Utah game, and it was probably cold for the Apple Cup. I can't remember if it rained a lot. But you can't just chalk that up to being bad weather. Quarterbacks have to play in bad weather in the Pacific Northwest. There's clearly something wrong, but I think it can be a collection of all of them. Maybe it's something that teams have figured out their signals a little bit. Um, I do think not having McMillan on the outside as the season has gone on, a legitimate number two option. They've had some other wide receivers in and out of the lineup. That problem will get solved for them tonight. But I think the, the biggest thing that I see when he says, is he off? The way that I view that just through a quarterback lens is that you're – you're you're throwing the football quick because you don't want to get hit and that maybe the timing isn't there in the passing game because you realize all right here comes a free rusher or okay the the protection around me is breaking down he has not been sacked a lot i think penix and nicks are the two lowest sack numbers in the entire country penix is like 8 and nicks is like 5 but it, it tells me a little bit that you're not as comfortable standing in there waiting that extra second maybe for the route to get open, taking the hit and delivering the football the way that maybe he was early in the season, in which if you didn't hit him or if you didn't get pressure on him, he was just going to absolutely torch you. Even, even if you did, he would still find a way to torch you. So I think all of this can be true. I don't I don't think Michael Penix is at 100%. I think anybody who argues that is, is not arguing in good faith. Now, what percentage is he at? Nobody's going to know, man. Maybe we'll find out after the game. Maybe we'll find out in the weeks ahead. But he's clearly not at 100%, but he will have 100% of the compliments of his wide receivers for the first time in a long time tonight. And that, to me, is the fascinating part about a 10-point spread in that Oregon's weakness is their secondary. Oregon's weakness as a defense is teams have had the ability to throw the ball on them. Here comes Penix and all his wide receivers, and we'll see if they can do it tonight. Uh, well, Sprague line at 830. We'll get to some of the other conference championship games. We still got to do our Pac-12 picks against the spread. Pick. I pluralized that. Pick. You got to do the pick, pick against the spread. Pac-12 pick against the spread. It's the final one for us. We'll do bowl games, too. Don't worry. We'll do bowl games. Got to do bowl games. Are we going to be here for the bowl games? I mean, we'll pick them. They'll be announced yeah, like next week. Yeah, the first bowl games are the 16th or 17th. There's a couple of Pac-12 okay. games We'll just that do it next week. Weekend. We'll just pick them the, then. Right. Jimmy Kimmel Bowl and something else. Uh, it's the Rob Gronkowski Bowl now. That's oh, right. it is? Yeah. yeah. Jimmy only Jimmy bought like a two-year. Didn't uh, the Riders uh, rider strike kind of? No. Curtailed uh, the the cash flow. They did not want to keep spending money on a bowl game because, as we know, bowl games are worthless. I mean, there's yeah, a- I remember that Oregon State Utah State one. There was like Ugh. 15 people there, and he's doing an interview at halftime. I'm like, this is weird. Yeah. Nobody cares. What are we doing? Uh, but I want to I want to stick on this game. What we're overlooking for Washington, the undefeated team who won this contest the last time they played. What they need to do to win this game again, and an area that we're kind of focused on going into this matchup. Is it's going to happen tonight. Uh, we'll talk about it. Oregon-Washington, the third matchup between the two for the final Pac-12 championship. Uh, all of that ahead. Dirt and Sprague back with more. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. A text at the Vancouver Ford text line, 503-864-6326. This is the first time all season that UW will have their top five receivers on the field. Jalen McMillan is healthy. Giles Jackson has preserved his red shirt, so he's going to play tonight as well. That could be a big factor. No doubt, man. I. It's funny that all week long, the majority of the conversation is centered around two things. The point spread, 10. Wow, everybody's like, oh, my God, that's a big spread. Washington won the first game. And is Michael Penix healthy? I mean, those have been like the two dominating headlines all week long of this game. And it's funny that when I look at it, I almost look to something completely different. And it was kind of a talking point going into the first game. Is Washington going to be able to get consistent stops against Oregon? Or will they be able to get timely stops like they did in the first game? To me, that's the story of it. Like, if Oregon scores 40 tonight, I have a hard time seeing them losing the game. I just do. I trust Oregon's defense to a certain monicum level of like, all right, you're going to get a stop here or there. You're better in every metric than Washington's defense this year. But that was the story of the first game, right? It was that Oregon moved the ball at will basically throughout. They got inside the 10-yard line twice, and they came away with no points. Will Washington's defense be able to come up with stops to give that healthy offense enough chances to go win the game? They're a timely defense. Yes, they are. They, they are not a good defense. They're a timely defense. They tend to play to moments and opponents. And when I watched that Apple Cup, for example, they did it on that in that game, too. A couple of big interceptions. And I... I just what's difficult about them is you you can't you can't use an actual data measurement on them. You can't quantify it in numbers. Their pass defense is ninth in the conference. Their defense is <laughs> middle of the road yeah. to not good. Like yeah. it's it's not an elite defense, and yet I'm kind of seeing. At least I feel like I've seen lately their pass rush is getting a little. They're getting home more. I feel like the like I just feel like the run game and defensive pass rush have been better lately. Mm-hmm. Even though some of these games have been really closely contested, mm-hmm. I, I I thought you were going to say simply how not that every Duck fan is doing it. I'd probably be more responsible on this show of leading the charge. It is a largely heavy Ducks, 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 Ducks. Oh, if the Ducks win this game, what's going to happen mm-hmm. after this? And to a to a certain extent, if you would have told Sunday me that. I mean, I literally talked to my cousin about this, who's a UW fan. I was like, what did you think about the spread? And he's like, I saw it. It's a big number. And I'm like, I know. It's a lot of points for a tough team. And then by Tuesday, I'm like, Oregon's going to roll. <laughs> you get there mentally. Well, just because I'm I'm trying to – what's hard about this is when, when Washington won the game in Seattle and won last year in Eugene, mm-hmm. obviously the injury didn't help in Bo being out for that fourth down play. But yeah. the one in Seattle – I just I kept watching an Oregon team run for six to seven yards a clip and then fourth and short and we're throwing the football. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like in not that Bo can't win you the game. Bo could very well make the play tonight, but it's like you're gashing this team a certain way. Why not just ride that out? And they didn't come up with those first downs or those scores. And so like I can't explain it. But Washington has found a way. And I do feel like largely this week, I've Guilty as charged here. 
it's been more like, what does Oregon got to do to lose? Or how much is Oregon going to win this game by? I don't blame Husky fan for hearing the station and going, oh, here come these guys again. Mm-hmm. Washington certainly had a great year. But because of the way they've played at the back end of the schedule post that last meeting, I'm kind of with you. Like, they scored 33 in that game in Seattle, and I feel like their offense has been better. I mean, they had 600 yards offense, and that's 33 with two possessions inside the 10-yard line coming away with no points. It's hard for me to see them scoring less than 40. Yep. But again, I maybe we've had different points of the season where we've said, like, Utah had 28 at the half, and I would have thought, oh, they're going to score over 40. And they shut them out in the second half. And they, they did exactly what they've done. They came up with the stops when they needed to and how they needed to. So Washington kind of doesn't make sense. We noted earlier this week they technically fall into the luckiest teams in college football category, and that's not meant as a slide. It's just data. It's just a fact, yeah. And we'll see if that luck continues to ride out tonight. Yeah, it's funny because I there, there's a lot of folks who have kind of gone there mentally that they're going to win. This, Oregon's going to win this game, and they're going to win it going away. I'm just I'm not there, and I think the main reason I'm not there is because I have felt that way the last two times Oregon has played Washington. I felt like going into that game last year, they were the better team, and they got them at Autzen. I was incredibly confident going into it, and what happened? Yeah, Nick's getting hurt had an impact on it, but their defense couldn't come up with a stop to save their lives. And then this year, you looked at all the metrics even going into that game. Defensively, Oregon was better than Washington across the board. Now, Penix was firing on all cylinders, so at least Washington had that going for them. But we had very similar conversations going into that game where Oregon's more balanced, they run the ball better, their defense is better, Oregon appears to be the better team, but maybe Washington's throwing the ball a little bit better. And what happened? Washington won the game again. And so I'm just trying to make sure mentally that I'm not making the same mistake again because it feels like that has been the last two Oregon-Washington games for Duck fans where you've just gone in and said they're going to win, and then you look up in the fourth quarter and Washington's defense makes a play, and they find a way to win the game you miss a kick like this is a team when you go 12 and 0 uh, a lot of it is luck but they have had an incredible season this year and I think counting out a team in a conference championship game is a little foolish now maybe we wake up tomorrow or we come in Monday morning and it's hey Oregon did exactly what we thought and you know the the wheels finally came off the wagon for Washington uh, but I, until I see one of those things happen it's just hard for me to envision it I mean you just you go through some of the stats here like Passing off, passing defense, they're ninth, right? You go through rushing. Oregon's number one. Oregon is number one. They're eighth in rush defense. Oregon's Uh, number two. I don't really care about total defense. Landing said that earlier this year. I'm totally with them. It's yards, how much of those are garbage yards. But like opponent fourth down conversion, that's a sneaky stat that you're not always thinking about, but you might be thinking about in this matchup for obvious reasons. Their defense has been really good on fourth down. Washington's third in the conference, so it's like they're weirdly... They time playing well in the moments. It's it's funny because I'm going through this game in my head, and we all have an idea, and then it's interesting to see how that plays out. Given what I've talked about, I'm trying to play the opposite scenario here. Washington wins. We're in here Monday talking about it. What happened? Well, the one thing that they have that maybe they, they just have success against Oregon with is Penix doesn't take a whole lot of sacks, and he does get the ball out quickly. With McMillan feeling better, with this new addition, the young player that you said still has eligibility, Polk at some point has got to catch a football. It's been like three games. Mm-hmm. And Odunze's, I think, been the best receiver in, in the nation. Sometimes you just get the, the ball to the athletes three yards out and let them operate in some space. And it's just like dink, dunk, chunk, 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 dink, dunk, chunk, chunk, chunk. Break a tackle here, break a tackle yeah, there. Yeah, and like you, before you know it, you're like Washington's in field goal range or they're scoring a touchdown. You go... Like, I know they're, it's just, I don't know. They're a weird team that way. 
you, you look at it on paper and you feel good and then you watch it. Now, the one thing I'll add to this, the the reason I hated the last fourth down call the most, even though that wasn't the one anybody seemed to have a problem with, and I totally get it, win the game with that pickup. The reason I didn't like that call was because at that point of that game, his defense finally kind of asserted itself against that Husky offense. Mm-hmm. And you had gotten them off the field in, like, back-to-back possessions. I think it was three straight. Well, now, one of those was a goal line stand, but it was three straight drives. That doesn't matter to me. You got the stops. That's the important thing. And instead of punting and pinning them back and saying, okay, well, if you're going to win the game, you're going to win it marching 80 to 90 yards up, they, they went for it and then gave them a really short field. And it's like, oh, two plays later, Odun's a touchdown, we're ahead. And I, I just didn't like that because... I thought the defensive coach would rest on the defense that he finally envisioned happening, and it was. They were mm-hmm. getting to Penix a little bit. He was throwing, he was making bad passes. Maybe threw that pick in the second half. I just, I think the defense played really well, and I didn't feel like they trusted him enough. I'd like to see more trust tonight because I thought they played really well in that second half against that unit. Mm. And so we get to see like if they're at the fifty, they're at their own forty-eight. Are they going for it on fourth and three? Probably because he's aggressive, and again, analytically might be the play. But if the defense is rolling, I just I'd like to see a little more trust in it. Interesting. I do know that if they're inside the forty yard line, they will go for it every time because they can't make field goals right now. So, well, I meant their own. Yes, I, I know what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, the, at the, the end the of the game, side the ice the, the game kind yes. of thing. Totally. Well, that's the other part. What if this comes down to a fifty? Nope. It's like fourth nope. and fifteen. No, nope. there's four seconds nope. left. Not gonna happen. You're at happen. the Washington nope. thirty nine nope. yard line. Nope. 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 Forty six, forty seven yard field goal. I'm just turning the television off, and I'm gonna take my dog for a walk. You have no trust, right? Lanning can't have any trust. Zero trust. trust. Are that you kid's kidding me? been shanking kicks. Dude, zero trust. <laughs> None at all. The Go one, for it. The one he missed against Oregon State, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> Fourth and 35. Just throw a Hail Mary. It's got a better chance at this point. Bo's not turning it over, so uh, maybe it's uh, just meant to be. Uh, I want to read a couple thoughts. We got some coming in on YouTube and the Vancouver Ford text line. We got, we'll get to the other conference championship games in the final hour of the show. Spraying the line as well. Back after this on the fam. All right, welcome back in. Can I ask you a really random question? What do you got, Bob? Who do you think gets recognized more in the right setting? Desmond Howard or Paul Feinbaum? Ooh, that's a good question. Because you want to say, I think Desmond Howard, right? MVP of the Super Bowl, Heisman guy at Michigan. Horrible takes on game day. But... But no. that was a long time ago. Long I was nine ago. years it's old Feinbaum. when they won the Super Feinbaum's Bowl. It's more recognizable. See now, than Desmond Howard. The only yeah. counter argument to that is that Howard has some commercials. He also has a pretty like I, I know there's multiple afros in America, but his afro's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty perfect. It's not. It it's not high. It's not low. It's like that perfect. You know. It's 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 just crafted perfectly. Can't uh, wait to see what kind of dumb stuff he's going to say. Uh, well, he's on TV right now. To imagine oh, it's, he? it's pretty bad. I he's ranting and raving about how Michigan should be in, whether they win or lose to Iowa. Iowa's great. I mean, they their defense is top notch. Whether they win or lose this weekend, how is Michigan out of the college football playoff? <laughs> I think last week when his coworker was facing death threats for just doing his job, and he. Basically called him out for it. I just, I'm like all the way out on Desmond Howard. Yeah, all the way out on that. A lot of people have gotten fired at ESPN, and I, that's one of those I look at. I'm like, ah, hey, hold on to that one, huh? Huh? Still paying that guy? Okay. Not really sure what you get out of that. I think but we talked about that on Monday or Tuesday. I like to retract my <laughs> David Pollock quotes. Uh, yeah. 
How's that looking for you there, Bob? I'm canceling that opinion. <laughs> You're going back on that one? Well, it's like all the things to worry about in your life. I'll what say, are you doing? like, one last thing. Look, I, we had somebody commented on the on the YouTube stream. Uh, why are sports radio guys in 2023 trying to play it safe and make sure if they, you know, if they pick one, you have to say the other one has a chance at winning, too, because both teams have a chance at winning the game. Like, I, nobody knows what the hell's going to happen tonight. Play it safe. I'm not playing it safe. I think a 12-0 team against an 11-1 team that's been <laughs> separated by three points, but one's now a 10-point favorite. I I don't know, man. It's pretty fair to kind of wonder, hey, is the 12-0 team being disrespected or is the 11-1 team going to absolutely roll them? Both their games have been decided by a field goal. And to the person who texted in, it's almost as if no one's giving Washington a dot, dot, dot. How dare you? How uh, dare you? A lot of validity Steal my thunder. How <laughs> dare you? There's a lot of validity to that. I will say, I think one one aspect of it, too, um, you know, offensively, we focus a lot on Penix and how healthy he is and the wide receivers are back and all that. I, I think a, a, another untalked about aspect of this game, I said it in the last segment, I think if Oregon scores 40, they win. I You pull this for Monday. I have a really hard time seeing Washington outscoring Oregon if they get to that 40-point number. I believe Kalen DeBoer is undefeated in his career when he's held teams below 40. I think Fetters gave us that stat yesterday. Yeah, that was a random number, but it's he said, a, yeah. You get to 40, like that to me is my benchmark, right? Mm-hmm. If you come out, you're firing, you make Washington play from behind, you can allow your pass rushers to get after Penix a little bit. I just think that advantage goes to Oregon. Another aspect of it, and we talked about this a lot the week after the first time they played, I thought Dylan Johnson was the like underrated MVP of that game. And it wasn't like, oh, my God, he ran for 280 yards like he did against USC. But it was 100 yards. It was five yards of carry. And I went back and watched the game this weekend. And it just was en- just enough to pull safeties up, just enough to make Oregon pay attention to it. Of all the injuries that we've talked about with Penix and the wide receivers and all that, Dylan Johnson has been incredibly banged up in the in the latter stages of the season. His health and where he is at on a short week to me is a super important factor for Washington tonight because he's not they're not going to torch Oregon on the ground. Oregon's run defense is good, mm-hmm. but they were able to just give him little paper cuts throughout the course of the game. Five yards. Now it's second and five, and then you're okay. What are they going to do here? Are they throwing the ball? Or are they running the ball? You have the entire playbook at your disposal. If when Washington tries to have those first down runs and tries to establish that, which won't be a ton, but when they do, if Oregon can bottle it up and have those instead of being second and five, second and four, second and six, be second and nine, second and ten, second eleven. I mean, that's a massive storyline for me, and I just I don't know health wise where Dylan Johnson is at right now. Well, it sounds like it's actually more legit than the Penix stuff to Fetters. Yes, uh, I would imagine he's not going to feel his leg tonight to play. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we're going to have some numb legs out you there. You catch what I'm saying? I'm catching what you're saying. And I, I think here's the important thing: it's the average for me, right? It wasn't just that he had a hundred yards, which was massive for Oregon, and we talked about that after that win. It was the impact he had when he carried. When you're at five yards a carry, it's like, okay. Like, I, we had two plays in my middle school seventh grade football team. And I was one of the running backs. So I was the sac- second fastest kid on the team. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling my coach, Coach, we should pass more, man. This is boring. It's the same plays. He goes, Brandon, we're running for four yards a clip. What's four times three? It's I said, low. 12. He goes, how many yards do we need for a first down? 10. Shut up and get back there. <laughs> Go carry the rock. And he was right. Yeah. And, and and like I think that's the thing is the amount of pressure you're applying per carry. Like the number at Oregon State, 89 yards. You go, eh, okay, cool, 89 yards. 5.6 yards clip, including that long run that, you know, damn near scored at, but uh, Oladapo made a great play. Last weekend against Washington State, not their best day for an offense. It was a bit of a dogfight, no pun intended. What did he end up with? Four yards a clip. Mm -hmm. Like, those are the numbers for me with Dylan Johnson tonight. 
Oregon's rush defense just proved itself against a very good running team in Oregon State. They did not allow a run longer than six yards. And my gut instincts would say that Lanning also noted that Johnson had 100 yards in that game, and it was pretty massive for them. So you, you think they're going to be zero in, uh, zero in on it. If his average is in the 4-5 to five range again, yep. that, that's going to be huge benefit for Washington. And finally on that comment, that, that comment kind of bothered me, like, holy, <laughs> sports radio host playing it safe thing. Previewing games... I love that we're talking about all these things and we're yeah. talking this out, but I also like doing both sides. Like, what's the perspective from that and that? Because previewing's kind of stupid with football. I have no clue what's going to happen tonight. Nobody does. If you do, go lay ten grand on it in Vegas. You're so confident. Drive to a and A and lay yeah. the money. Like, it's not. This ain't first take. We're not debating hot takes all day. Oregon's going to win by thirty points. When we do the pick against the spread, I'm going to pick Oregon minus the nine and a half. Hey, hey, spoilers. We're going to get to that in the final hour. Okay, come on. But I'm going to lay those. I'm going to lay the points because I think Oregon has separated themselves. Washington, though, can prove to me again, like every week when I watch the sport, football. You just sometimes can't quantify it. It's freaking football. And this is for a conference championship. This is a hated rivalry. So who the, know, who the hell knows what's going to happen? I tend to lean Oregon. But I just don't like those comments. This is not first take. It's not Stephen A. screaming at Shannon Sharp. What are we doing here? I agree with you, Bob. I agree with you. I got two last points I want to bring up about this game. We will pick it. Our Pac-12 pick against the spread. Our last one of the regular season before bowl season begins. Uh, we got to get to the other conference championship games. We got to spread the line at 830. Get your fake sponsors in. 503-864-6326. That's the Vancouver Ford text line. One more hour to go on our football Friday, and it starts next on The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 